This podcast tells the stories behind the craft breweries across the country. I'm Erica. Matt. And sound guy Ryan. And you're listening to an episode of Brewers. What's up, everybody? Thank you for listening once again to the Brew Roots podcast. This is episode 113. Whoa. Nice. Can you believe it, Ryan and Erica? 113 episodes. I can believe it. Crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, but one hundred uh, episode 112 was awesome because we had our friend uh, Felipe. Felipe. Philip. Philip. I called him Felipe. <laughs> I don't know why. I know. It's all good. Um, from Percival Brewing Company out in Norwood, uh, Massachusetts, which I wasn't there at that interview, and it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it immensely. I had a blast. I know Erica had a blast, too. Solid time. Yeah, it was a great time. And, you know, we learned a lot uh, on that episode. And if you haven't taken a listen to it, definitely go back and check it out. Yeah. And, you know... I sometimes when you don't get to go to these interviews and in my case like hearing about it from you guys and what philippe uh you know said makes me just want to go to it and be one of the first stops i make too when it's you know responsible and safe to go to a brewery so definitely excited to make my way out to norwood to stop out and see andy at castle island and then and philippe at uh percival yeah and this week we got a a great episode for you guys. Uh, we were able to get together a whole bunch of brewers. Um, we got Gary from True North. We got Matt from Wandering Soul. We ended up getting Ray from White Lion and Mo from Craft Roots all together in one virtual room in quotation marks. Well, don't um, forget who else we had in the room. And we also had the Mass Brew Bros, uh, who are the people who kind of started this idea. Um, they did a, a blog post about it, uh, which you can check out um, on their website, and we'll link that in the episode below as well on our website. And definitely give it a read, but it was a, a great thing uh, in order to give the brewers an opportunity to elaborate on what they said in the blog post. So, yeah, yeah. buckle in because it's, a, it's great to listen to. Yeah, and I think to go to your point, like, nobody has the 80 you know the attention span to read a blog post that would if you were to transcribe this episode it would be countless countless pages and they did an awesome job representing the overall tone of what the brewers felt and with we were just able to extrapolate on it so without that blog post and that kind of inspiration to do this because this is something i think we were discussing doing and when we do our brewers live we kind of always ask you know what's a positive that comes out of this situation and uh this does have some negative you know i i I do want to forewarn you there are some things that aren't you know you know bright and rosy in the whole interview but there's a lot of positive and it doesn't surprise me in the craft world to hear people say like we're gonna get through it you know like we're gonna help each other out and I think we leave it on a good note. So definitely make sure you listen all the way to the end because it's an important episode. And I think uh, it's easy to forget uh, when you go to a brewery that people actually work there. You know, I think it's it's sometimes just something that we take for granted. Um, and you hear what some of these breweries are going on. Now, this is not to say, again, this is not to say that like 
some breweries aren't struggling and we're not trying to glorify people that are doing well and, and likely will make it. We want to just, these were the people who reached out and responded to our feeler email for this. So, Yeah. And on that note, Erica, do you want to say anything uh, about the mass brew bros? <laughs> yeah. I mean, so we are partnering with them now, which is pretty cool. It's something we've been working Huge. on for a while and it's uh, finally happening. So We'll be doing some blog stuff with them and probably some more future episodes and roundtable gatherings and things and events. And it's good. We're all yeah. really excited about it. Yeah, it, it's kind of going on that whole community thing that we wanted to grow. Uh, so I'm glad that it all is all coming together. Yeah. Indeed. It gives us um, a better way to uh, give our listeners awesome information that sometimes we can't always provide to you so the power of us combined we will be unstoppable do, do, do. <laughs> yeah um what have you guys been drinking this week i know that the beer fairy stopped at ryan's house last friday no i'm drinking a whole bunch of stuff from like last year but i don't <laughs> care oh no let's see right now i got the little crispy uh from yeah. uh, clown shoes i had the Harpoon Oktoberfest. <laughs> wow. Um, so that's yeah, what you were at. We have that text message and you said, do you like pumpkin beers? Yes. And I just go, oh no. <laughs> it's getting old pumpkin beers. <laughs> no, I actually, I only had a couple of those. I, I kept them. They, I had one. It wasn't so bad. So I just straight out. No, it wasn't. It. it wasn't bad. No. Um, I gave him the Oktoberfest. <laughs> yeah. The one uh, piece of gold that was in there though um, was the Mighty Squirrel. I, I thoroughly enjoyed a couple of those already. Oh, good. Yes, good. I had the smoothie one, and mm-hmm. then I had the deer uh, mino, or right yeah. deer mino, something like that. Yeah, yeah, great, great nice. beer. Love nice. it. Thank you, Erica. Anytime. And you got a mic stand <laughs> out of it, so I did. So it was a solid <laughs> trade. Yep. Nice. Now I'm not wandering around the room. <laughs> I'm staying in one place. Uh, yeah, I've been, been drinking, drinking uh, Notch because on my way to Ryan's, I stopped at Notch and uh, grabbed mm-hmm. their pink boots, the bull and the heather. Pretty sure that's what it's called. Um, it was really good. Highly recommend. It's probably my favorite pink boots beer thus far this year. I mean, I've only had like four, but <laughs> so far, that's probably one of my favorites. Um, really good. Mm-hmm. Light, easy drinking. Um, and then their, their anniversary beer and the uh, the lager, lager head beer. Yeah, did the, you the, the uh, Doppelbach? Mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, super good. That did was you, in my care package. Did you stick a cast iron uh, poker into it to caramelize the I head? I did not. A lot of I, people are doing that on I social know, media. I've been right seeing now. it. I kind of I wanted to, but I was impatient tonight, and I just drank it. So. I will be doing that this weekend. <laughs> so hopefully, I can get one of those and not be original because I've seen yeah. countless other people do it. But it's my goal to get shared by Notch <laughs> in I, some I guess, creative way. <laughs> I mean, I wanted to do it. I just don't know uh, where to get the cast iron. <laughs> do you have a cast iron pan? pan? Mm, That's what yes. they were doing. They're heating up the pan and putting yeah. the handle in the glass of beer. The yeah. handle of it. Mm, Interesting. Yes. All right. Ryan doesn't get out much on the social medias, I guess. I don't. No. Especially no. now with Final Projects. Yeah. I'm just like, I don't, I, I don't respond to you guys' texts because my phone's like just off and in the other room. So. Yeah. Um, I've been drinking a lot of Remnant. Ooh, I, nice. Yes, I did a, a stop at Remnant, and it's 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 pretty cool because yesterday we did our Brew Roots Live with Charlie, 
uh, Erica did that. And uh, I was kind of like, I've been drinking a lot of Remnant, and it's cool to hear from him. And I really like what they're doing, and I'm excited that they're in cans um, and crawlers to go. Um, and going to Bow Market was very weird because it was like literally a ghost town. I bet I was thinking about that of places, you know, near uh, that in Boston. I'm like, wow, it would be like really easy to go there right now. <laughs> yeah. But um, thankfully, we've been drinking a lot of good beer. I had yep. uh, Remnant, I had some Notch. Um, I'm trying to think who else I had. I had a couple old tributaries that I had, and I I got almost drunk enough to share a Moth the Lesser. Um, nice. But I didn't proud of you yeah oh and um i I, the shipping up to boston that uh that black lager from uh jack's abbey Mm, yeah super good good. yeah it's it's so good really good um i mean jack's abbey's just been crushing it lately with just like really not that i'm saying other breweries aren't crushing it but like just like really doing the right thing and being humble about it like they're not posting a all the things that they're doing to help people that are affected by it. I mean, they're, they're posting a fair amount of it, but from what I've heard from other people um, in that community, Jack's Abbey has been really doing some phenomenal things. So uh, major shout out to Jack and Sam, the Hendler brothers. They're absolutely doing a great job. Yeah. Those two new horizontal tanks are going to good use <laughs> <laughs> for yeah. sure. Um, also like other cool craft beer news right now. Um, our friend uh, from element brewing, uh, he is making hand sanitizer because he also operates as a distillery. So he's able to convert some of his old beer or anything that's aging or expired um, into um, a fermentable and thus make some more higher grade alcohol. That 55% or 60% that you're looking for in hand sanitizer, um, they've been able to make. So that's pretty cool. Very cool. Very, very awesome news. Um, also, some other cool beer news is our friend Matt from Wandering Souls, uh, who you'll hear in this week's episode. He just filled a tank up at Bentwater Melody Maker. So, hell yeah. I have a four pack of that in my fridge that I am waiting for a good afternoon to drink because that to me is the perfect porch IPA. I will say it. That is the perfect porch IPA, in my opinion. So, if I come to your house, will it automatically be a perfect day? Yes, as long as you're six feet away and like you have no symptoms and you haven't had a temperature for 12 days or whatever. We have to have rules if, we have to, if we're going to be in the same area, Ryan. All right, I understand. Yeah. I haven't had a temperature in two months, if that means anything. Yeah. Wow. Well, yeah. What happened two months ago? I got really sick before this whole thing blew up. <laughs> Ooh. Conspiracy yeah. theory, Ryan had it before anyone else. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe it was longer than two months, but let's not go on a, a Ryan story. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think uh, before we get to this episode, uh, hop rhizomes are now out of stock at Beer Wine Hobby, Erica. Yeah, I mean, it's a pre-order thing. So if you didn't pre-order, womp womp. You, uh, just we like might me. have a few extras. I need to double check. But uh, yeah, um, if you got them, awesome. Happy growing. If not, better luck next year. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you are growing any hopper items, please, you know, shoot us a DM. I'd love to see your progress um, and maybe show it to Four Star Farms. Maybe they'll think get a kick out of it. Hell yeah. I certainly would. I think it's cool. Um, should we get on to the episode, guys? I, I think, think we, we should. should get on to the episode. It's All a right. long one, but it's a good yeah. one. All right. So we have Mo, 
We have Gary. Meh. Gary. We have Meh. Who else do we have? And Ray. And Ray. And the Mass Brew Bros. And the Mass Brew Bros. And we and have us. Ryan. And we have Eric. And I guess we have me. Uh, yeah. So take it away, sound guy. Yeah. And I just want to say one quick thing is it was done via Zoom. So the audio quality will not be what it usually is. But I think it was good information uh, that you guys needed to here so still enjoyable yes yeah, still enjoyable so here it goes hey sound guy ryan here didn't know if you heard but we're a part of the hopped up network there you'll find other informative podcasts about beer so go ahead follow them on social media and visit them on their website hoppedupnetwork.com to learn more about the people beer and breweries from around the country and until next time thanks for listening cheers This week's episode would not be possible without our amazing sponsor, Shirts on Tap. Each month, they team up with breweries from across the country and create a custom shirt and deliver it to your doorstep, along with stickers and coupons. Sign up today using the promo code BREWROOTS for $5 off your first box. Head on over to ShirtsOnTap.com today. And remember, drink better beer, wear better shirts. You looking to get into a new hobby? Oh yeah. Sure thing. Well, Erica, where can we do that? Go down to Beer and Wine Hobby. Ooh. And what can we get there? Everything you need to start your homebrew journey. And we'll help you along that journey by using our promo code BREWROOTS to get 10% off your next order. Visit beer-wine.com to start your homebrew journey today. All right, everyone. Uh, We are here with the Mass Brew Bros, Rob and Bob who are not brothers because that would be weird if their parents both named them Robert or Bobbert or Bobby or Robbie, whatever. Um, and we're actually joined here, I think, with the most guests we've had on one Brew Roots episode and the most hosts we've had on one Brew Roots episode. Um, and it was important for us to do this episode um, to kind of give people an insight of what's going on in Massachusetts. Um during you know this weird time and uh it was our goal um and rob if you want to help me out with this it was our goal to kind of uh do this as tactfully as possible uh and do you kind of want to explain our goal with this yeah just really quickly uh bob had reached out to me to see if we could put a blog together um i initially balked at the idea i was struggling a bit with what I would write about because it was such a difficult time. I just didn't really know how to approach it. Uh, I saw some other writings out there about what people were doing to try to make the most of it and get their beer out there. It seemed like that had already sort of been covered. And so I thought maybe we should reach out to see what people are thinking about the future of their businesses and the future of the industry uh, when we get through all of this. Um, And we reached out to 20 or so breweries not all of them got back to us um so we don't really know what a few of them are going through and i'm sure that that's indicative of a percentage of the industry maybe dealing with some really difficult things or struggling or who knows what so um we just wanted to be 
tactful about that and let people know that we're aware that that is the reality for some. That's right. All right. So we're going to go around the horn and introduce our guests this evening. Um, there are going to be some familiar people that you guys have heard, obviously some familiar breweries. I think we've talked about every single brewery that is on here in one shape or another. Um, so I think we're going to start with one of our favorites, Maureen. How are you tonight? Thank you. I'm doing great. It's great to be here. Yeah. Uh, Maureen, uh, we always start our podcast uh, with asking, well, obviously I want you to introduce the brewery that you sure. own and, and you're the head brewer at, um, and your first memory of beer to just lighten the mood a little bit. Sure. So um, head brewer at Craft Roots Brewing in Milford, Mass. And uh, I'm going way back to 1981 for my first memory of beer. It was at a uh, keg party. I think I was probably a sophomore in high school. I'm sure it was like um, PBR. Had one of those like picnic pump things and I pumped the hell out of it and it was all foam. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like it much, but I learned a lot since then. Yeah. Uh, next is, is Gary Rogers, who is uh, from True North Ales, which is the closest brewery to me by far. <laughs> <laughs> How are you tonight? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. So what can I tell you about True North Ales? We started in 2017, so it's two and a half years now. I, uh, my son and I, Jake, started the brewery, and uh, it's been, it, I should say, it was going great until just recently. Uh, you know, the sort of the highlights are, you know, uh, getting a gold at the World Beer Cup at 2018 and, and the low light of not even being able to participate in the 2020 World Beer Cup. Um, but uh, you asked about uh, my first memory of beer. That goes back a long ways. Uh, my my dad, who's nine, now 92 years old, uh, when I was a kid, he used to say, hey, you know, you want to want some of this? And uh, it was natural for me for all the time I was growing up from having that sip of beer when I was very young to having a... Uh, you know, a, a half a beer or a full beer as I went into my teens, uh, it was uh, it was special, but it wasn't something that was taboo, and it made it that much better. Cool. All right, and uh, our next guest is Raymond Berry, and you are from White Lion Brewery. Uh, first of all, many of our listeners may not know about White Lion Brewery, so I, I would love for you to just give us a little bit of insight onto what that's all about. Sure. So White Lion launched in uh, 2000, late 2014, was, is actually when our beer hit the market. We are a beer brand. Uh, we were brewing out of Ipswich for a long time, and then we made the switch local to Brewmaster Services in Williamsburg, uh, which is closer to our footprint. Uh, the objective and goal was always to have our own brewery in the city of Springfield, which so happens to be the third largest city in the Commonwealth which was pretty much void for a long time of any beer activity, despite its history pre and post prohibition, which was city of Springfield was huge for brewing. Um, after many iterations of looking at several locations in the city, we've eventually found one and we're currently building out our space. Now we had expected to complete that in May of this spring. Um, but with the pandemic that's been pushed back a little bit, but construction continues to still stay in place. Um, and you know, White Lion is a is a is a is a brand. It's all about diversity. It's all about inclusion. It's about bringing people into the fold. Uh, we're very appreciative of of everybody in the Commonwealth trade and, and the trades throughout the New England states. And we're just happy to be part of that 
the craft beer conversation and, and, and giving the consumer another option uh, out there. So we're, we're happy to be part of it. Cool. And your first memory of beer? Ooh. So again, high school years. <laughs> uh, I, I might have been a, I was a, I was a late bloomer, so I might have been a junior or senior or something. But there was a group of high school kids. We, I grew up in a very rural town that had a number of cemeteries out there. And we were walking around the cemetery with uh, a famous imported green bottle, you know, those types of beers. And uh, after two of Rolling them, Rock? I wish it was a Rolling Rock. <laughs> I, I do. But it was not. <laughs> but uh, it, was a good, it, was, it was a good time. I'll just say that it was a good time. But walking around a cemetery, do not try that at night, drinking a couple of brews. I hope you didn't leave your empties there. <laughs> no, we didn't leave any evidence. <laughs> um, and then last but not least, we have Matt Smith from Wandering Soul. Um, and you may have seen his beer in your local store if you're around our area, the, the North Shore, Metro Boston area. Um, and uh, he has an awesome story as well. And we've shared his story uh, a number of times. And I know Mass Brew Bros have shared his story a number of times. Um, but Matt, why don't you introduce yourself as well? Sure. Yeah. Um, so on that, I started Wandering Soul uh, officially last year, um, 2019. And I've been contract brewing. So I originally started at Castle Island in Norwood. They were kind enough to take me on. Now I'm brewing at uh, Bentwater in Lynn. Um, all the recipes are are my own. It's just me on the business side of things. Um, and Wandering Soul, you know, was originally uh, formed as a way to cope with me um, and my wife losing our first daughter um, in a in a way that people don't know much about, myself included. At the time, um, my wife was nine months pregnant, and we and we lost her. And uh, her name was Melody. So the first beer I put out was called Melody Maker. And it was originally just going to be that one beer, um, raising money for a, a charity called Resolve New England. And uh, it was well received. So I kept at it. And uh, I'm doing about one batch a month now. And um, I love it. I mean, it's very personal to me. It's hard to separate personal and business for, for me. Yeah. I'm really glad that that wasn't your your one and done beer because you have amazing beers that are out there in the market right now. So I appreciate it for you to keep on with that. Um, before we get into the interview, uh, I just want to ask everyone, how is everyone doing? Everyone doing all right uh, in your family and loved ones? Yes. Yes. yes, can be expected, I suppose. So yeah. Yeah. We're grateful. Everybody's doing okay. Everyone's healthy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, health wise here, everybody's okay. Mental health has taken a huge battering as it has for a lot of people today. I'll be honest. I had a very uh, not good day, um, but it was two days in a row of good days. So I knew there was a bad one coming and it was today. <laughs> well, hopefully we give you a good, a good evening then for this. Um, yeah. I want to know what everyone's first feeling of this situation was a month ago. Um, I guess, we can talk personally or we can talk business wise. What was your first feeling? Um, I'll go first. I kind of had that mix of uh, dread and anxiety. The second I kind of got wind that this was going to really hit us hard, you know, as a society, but first, but as a business second. Um, so we had a live band playing St. Patrick's day party on Sunday. I think it was the 14th. Um, I was there for a little bit and I just had that feeling of um, being a little bit ahead and not 
feeling like the people that were there with us didn't really quite grasp the gravity of the situation. So I was kind of happy to see that evening end. But we uh, were at the maximum amount of inventory that we can hold. So as soon as we shut down, I just looked at a full walk-in of kegs and thought to myself, like, how are we going to get through this? But we've been able to, to turn the corner, you know, a little bit on that. We'll talk more about that later. But my first feeling was for sure, like, just dread butterflies. Let me uh, add to that. Uh, I had some insight uh, in an interesting way. If you read the Globe on Sunday, you saw the front page article uh, of uh, a woman who was a doctor with Partners in Health who was uh, heading up the uh, contact tracing uh, project that Governor Baker is working on putting in place. Well, that's my niece, and she's been living with us for the last uh, five weeks, I guess. She was on the last flight out of South Africa. She'd been in Africa for a number of years as a doctor over there. Uh, came back, uh, couldn't get back to uh, home, but uh, when she flew into Atlanta, she was able to get a flight to Boston and asked if she could come and, <laughs> and quarantine on our second floor, which she has done. But uh, in doing that, she got into this project that is uh, probably going to save thousands of lives in Massachusetts alone. Uh, and uh, she informed my wife and I, Jill, about the gravity of this situation early on when she got back here probably five, six weeks ago. So uh, we understood how big this was going to be. And uh, we uh, started taking actions at that time. So we shut down our tap room um, before St. Patrick's Day that weekend uh, before Governor Baker announced and, uh, you know, it's, uh, we can talk about it a lot more, but, uh, we're not anywhere near beyond this. It's, uh, wow. there's a lot more coming. From, uh, from white lions end of things, um, we were really firing on all cylinders heading into the month of March. We were anticipating having our construction finalized in the month of May. We had a couple sneak peeks planned. We had just released a new beer that was being exposed to off-premise and on-premise accounts throughout the Commonwealth. Uh, we had a number of special events associated with that particular release. Uh, and then for all of that to basically shudder was somewhat of uh, a shock to not only myself, but also uh, the team that was out there day in and day out pounding the pavement for the brand. Um, then we had to have that discussion relative to um, the build-out. Uh, and, and we had to basically rope that back in. So it was it was it was shocking. Um, we knew that there will be there would be some light at the end of the tunnel. We just didn't know how long that tunnel would be. And uh, you know, we still remain optimistic. It's always a, it's always good to put positive energy and positive vibes out there. And uh, we're just going to we continue to remain optimistic. Uh, and you know, we truly believe we're all in this together. And uh, we'll see it at the end of the tunnel. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I'll throw my own two cents in. I agree with what everybody said. I'm sort of in the same boat. Um, I really only brew one batch a month. So, you know, I had a batch ready of a beer I was probably most proud of out of possibly anything I've done. Uh, and it was just ready at the time that this was taking shape. Um, so for me, the hardest part was just trying to get it out into the market because, you know, I don't have a tap room. So, Fortunately for me, I'm not dealing with a lot of those issues that uh, on-premise is dealing with. And, um, you know, it's just, uh, 
you know, I think if there was a timeline on this, I would have felt a lot better. Uh, but the lack of a timeline on things changing or getting better, I think is what's creating the most anxiety for me. So at a certain point, once that beer was out in the market, I just pressed pause on everything and cleared all of my production. Mm. Um, you know, I, like I said, I, I'm in a situation where I, I can do that. A lot of people can't. And uh, I really feel for a lot of the breweries that <laughs> have to keep things going and with the kegs and the on-premise and the bars, just seeing some of my favorite places, my favorite bars just shutter up, you know, a lot of them with kegs of mine. It was really, uh, really sad. And I, I hope that, I hope that things get better soon. Yeah. I, I'd like to chime in on that too. Cause for the second year in a row, while uh, we were the co-sponsors of Mass Beer Week, you know, spending a better part of a year planning events, encouraging breweries to plan events, to try and bring the whole state of Massachusetts together. And we even uh, kicked it off with our, our first real large event, Blind Beer Fest. Uh, we were able to get it going on March 6th, um, but there were some rumblings at that time when we actually switched from uh, the tasting glasses to individual plastic cups. I know Rob... Uh, you know, when eco-friendly wasn't happy with that, but we, we, we were some, in, you know, some inkling at that time to try and do something at that point. We were able to get the festival off, but by midweek of Mass Beer Week, you know, that's when the NBA closed down and we're closing schools. So, you know, and again, that's kind of affected us going forward in terms of trying to do events and really connecting with breweries. Uh, so it was, it was kind of a blow to us too. So. Yeah. And that's such a great event too, to have for all the breweries. I know that a lot of breweries take part in Mass Beer Week as well. Um, how do you guys feel? I mean, obviously we talked about your initial gut re- or feeling. Uh, we're a little bit past five weeks at this point of, you know, this shutdown going on. Um, what's, what's the feeling now? Optimism? Are we still, I know Gary, you mentioned, um, uh, you know, we haven't seen the the end of this, obviously. Um, I'd, I'd be curious just to start with you, your feeling right uh, then, and then we can kind of go in order from there. Well, I think that uh, Governor Baker's May 4th, uh, you know, the potential date of uh, starting to reopen things is just not going to happen. Uh, how many weeks it'll get pushed out is the question that will probably be answered in the next couple of days. <clears throat> when I when I saw that uh, school was uh, canceled for the rest of the year, and that uh, daycare uh, facilities will be closed until June thirtieth, well, that means people really can't go back to work. Uh, so that's why I think it's going to be remain very difficult for us, um, even if the restaurants do start to reopen. Yeah, you know, it's going to be very difficult for you know people just not wanting to go there. So, uh, you know, we are, uh, we have a very significant taproom business here and, uh, you know, we want to get back at that, but, uh, we not, we're not interested at all in doing that until it's safe. So, uh, we're, we're going to depend on the experts to tell us when it's safe and then we're going to do our best to keep people safe when they're here. Uh, and Maureen, I guess same for you. You guys thrive off your, uh, your taproom location. It's such an awesome and inviting place as well. Well, thank you for that. It's um, it's super different now. I, I agree with Gary. We don't really have any way of knowing how long this is going to go on. Obviously, we want to make sure it's safe before uh, we welcome people back. But I think at this point, if we see that happen at any point in June, I'd be shocked. I think it's, it's going to take, as everybody says, a long time for things to come back to even a fraction of what was normal. 
So, you know, we're, we're grateful that we build a business that's very grassroots, so we're a very neighborhood place. Um, we've had a lot of support with home delivery and beer to go, but as far as having, you know, a community gathering place, that's, you know, for the moment, completely blown out of the water. But that's kind of the way it's got to be. I got in as a brewer because I enjoy the process of making beer. It's been quite a while since I've brewed batch, be brewing for the first time next week. But doing a lot of other things right now and um, just trying trying to stay optimistic without being too blue about the prospects. But it's it's not rosy by any means. We don't we don't know what's coming. Uh, Ray, without having that tap space, but obviously building out to have that tap space. Um, I, I think we've heard it countless times in our podcast, and I'm sure Rob and, and Bob talking to breweries, opening day never almost goes, you know, you might say, I want to open up in May, but May becomes October pretty quickly in the in the brewing industry for opening days. I see Gary shaking his head. Um, Double your estimates. Yeah. Um, how do you, I mean, Obviously, this wasn't a welcomed, you know, you're you on all cylinders, but is it taking you a moment to pause and kind of see what's going on and maybe do things differently, maybe have a little bit more time to think? Well, I, we've been fortunate enough that our business model since 14, 2014 has been basically just serving on and off-premise locations uh, throughout the Commonwealth. So even when the um, guidance came down from the federal government in Baker, locally within the Commonwealth on some of the restrictions and closings, um, some of the off-premise locations remained open. And for us, that was about 65% of our accounts remained active where we were able to engage them. Now, granted, we had to rope folks back in and they couldn't engage one-on-one. They had to do it from either text, email, phone call, which was a little bit of a dilemma for us because we were always big on one-on-one engagement. So to have that pivot and bring everything back in-house did leave some gaps. And even when I go out, Mike and I are brewers, the only ones that go out now, we see the importance of that one-on-one engagement. So that was one of the first ahas that really hurt us. Um, as far as the tap room, you know, we welcomed it. I mean, it's, it's, part, it's part of our evolution. That's what we've always wanted to uh, establish in, in the city of Springfield. Um, and as stated earlier, it took us a little bit longer than what we had expected. And so we've already been down that road with extending the storyline. Uh, so to extend it another, whether it's three, four months, that's fine. It's all about safety, health, making the consumer comfortable in our space and other spaces. Uh, so, you know, whether it's the government or whether it's the federal, state or local government issuing these phase one, phase two, phase three um, rollouts. Obviously, we all have to adhere to that. And if we have to continue to pivot to make things work, that's, you know, that's what we're in business for. And I think we have a pretty robust clan of folks in, in the trade that understand and, and can persevere and, and um, figure things out. So if we have to pivot, we've been used to doing that since 2014. We'll find a way like many others. Um, but again, it's all about being in a safe environment. So if it's, if it's you know, social distancing for the next six, eight months. So be it. So be it. Yeah. Matt, I know that you don't have a tap room per se, but your business of going to a foreign place such as Bentwater or Castle Island and them opening your doors at this time um, to brew, 
and I know you're hands-on in the brewing process. It's not just them brewing your beer. Uh, how has that been a challenge for you? It's been a challenge just in terms of uh, how the future is going to look um, for this whole thing. You know, um, to echo what was just said as well, um, the whole one-on-one aspect, this industry really, at the very core of it, you know, it's uh, it's really based on human interaction and, um, you know, going and having a beer with somebody. But beyond that, you know, like in my for in, in my shoes, just being the only guy who's selling the product um, on the business side, you know, I go into stores and, and check the inventory and, you know, I do all that. And, and because a lot of times I'm not going to be shipping a bunch of new beer into a place if they already have it from the last batch, I try to have stores sell out um, of my stuff and then bring new stuff in. So it's just been, it's been challenging. You know, there were, there were plenty of days spent in my minivan <laughs> as this was transpiring, just, you know, being, being pretty scared of doing the deliveries. I mean, you know, these, the, the delivery guys really, um, really have a much harder job right now. Uh, the ones who are going, cause some of the package stores are doing pretty well, uh, but the beer needs to get there. And so in the supply chain of it, you know, I've seen delivery guys coming in with the gloves and the masks and there are all these extra precautions when they're trying to go to 50 places in a day, they're having much longer days and, uh, it's, you know, it's stressful for everybody. But, um, you know, I think that, I think, um, you know, to echo what Gary said as well, I think it was Gary that said the, you know, it's not so much like the virus is one thing, but the fear that people have is another thing. And I think that the fear of going back into places is actually going to be in a way separate from the way the virus takes shape. Um, if things get better with the virus, people are still going to be scared. They're going to be scared to go to restaurants and tap rooms. And I think that's going to be sort of a human process we all need to go through to reassure ourselves that this is okay again. And again, there's no timeline on that. It's a very psychological thing. Yeah. yeah well, yeah, there's very much a difference between when the government says it's okay to go back and when each individual says it's okay to go back to a tap room bar or anywhere else. It's going to be a very individual decision. Hmm. All right. Obviously, you guys have had to change your business models quite a bit. Um, what were some things that you have done to change that? Um, and what are some things that the state has done to allow your lives to be, quote unquote, a little bit more easier? Um, and I, I'll start with uh, Matt. So the keg situation w- was a huge deal for everyone. Um, with restaurants closing and all these beers on tap, and a lot of breweries, uh, myself included, to a certain extent, um, a lot of kegs that just couldn't be sold. So the legislation to allow, you know, restaurants to sell alcohol to go, uh, with food, it it is helpful. Um, you know, I've had, I've seen some places get (laughs) asked for a keg of mine and do growlers of it. And it was, you know, me trying to figure out where I could get the growlers and get, get them to the place and figure out the process and here's how we fill it. And here's how, you know, um, so I think that's a, it's a great, like, you know, creative way to get beer out there in growler form. Um, but the reality is, yeah, it's just the, the keg business is just um, obviously very different. You know, the amount of support that people have offered to me, and I'm sure others can echo this. It, it's just, it's unbelievable. And it really speaks to 
the fact that this industry is really based on community and everyone trying to help these or their favorite breweries through a really hard time. Mm. Ray, I'm curious to hear what you have to say about this. Yeah, we, we, uh, we stopped production, um, right at the onset. Uh, Mike, our brewer and my business partner was a little hesitant to do so, but it just didn't make sense to keep going and churning out new, new beers. Uh, at the time, we had five or six active SKUs. Uh, then we depleted everything and got down to about two SKUs, and we just started brewing again just now, hedging a little bit, thinking that there would be some little bit of uh, opening um, during the month of May. But, um, you know, we went the same route to kegs. Um, even though we were depleted on our packaging, we went the route of jumping kegs into some cans just to keep inventory going. Um, what else did we do? We worked with the, um, we paid attention heavily, paid a lot of attention to the Brewers Guild, the local Brewers Guild relative to some of the things that were uh, happening at the state house. So we, uh, opened up a home delivery route, uh, and added a little food component to that. So, you know, that allows us to get out there and, uh, continue that one-on-one personal engagement. Um, we did have to lay off some staff. Uh, we had a, a robust sales team for our size, <clears throat> six people plus a delivery guy that was going out five days a week. Uh, we basically wrote that down to myself, Mike, uh, and another part-time sales guy. And instead of five days a week, it's now two and a half days a week. So it's been a little bit of a little bit of a grind, but, um, you know, we'll continue to push. So we think that, uh, you know, between the, the, the Brewers Guild and, and being able to do some home delivery and, and jumping some kegs and now starting new production. I think that, uh, again, I'll, I'll, I'll emphasize hedging that the month of May will open up some doors. I could be wrong. Um, but, uh, again, we're just trying to be a little bit optimistic. Even if it does not open to the extent that it is or that we would like, I think that the off-premise accounts will continue to uh, churn out some business for us. So that's, that's very helpful. Yeah. Uh, Maureen, I saw you uh, kind of acknowledge that. I just want to hear kind of what you've done and and what your feelings are. Yeah, so I think we're kind of in the same place as Ray. We halted our production because we were maxed out for inventory at that moment in time. Um, So we're getting ready to brew again, but that's because our home delivery and our curbside and people coming in for beer fills to go has actually been quite robust. We're seeing it ramp up week over week over week. it's not particularly lucrative. We dropped the price of our 32-month bottle by $1 right when this happened, and we're not surcharging anything to deliver to people's homes. So it's, it's, um, it's a labor of love for Robin and I. She and I are doing all the deliveries ourselves, and uh, we have one full-time person, Irene, that's been helping us too. So us three women are kind of running the show right now. Um, we all know that it's, it's been um, – absolutely the lifeblood for our business to have the ability to get our beer into people's hands. So we were talking about the psychology of fear earlier. So many people are afraid to leave their homes. So we have this avenue now to get beer to people's doorsteps, which has been huge. But there are people that want to get out and go to the grocery store, go to the pharmacy. So they're adding in a trip to their local brewery is one of those essential you know, trips out. Um, but it's psychological too. Like you said, Matt, we're struggling, all of us, with our mental health and our isolation and our need to be human and interact even just for five minutes from six or seven feet away so we're able to kind of have that feel 
in our tap room in a, a safe place or safe distance in a limited way. So it's by no means um, normal or ideal, but I think we're seeing our customers evolve with us and us trying to evolve to, to what they need. Mm. And um, I don't know, like never would have imagined seeing anything like this going on in the, the brew world right now, but I do think it's a testament to innovation. Everybody's trying to find their way. Yeah. Uh, Gary, uh, in, what, what, in your opinion? Oh, Gary, we can't hear you. There we go. We were, we were, uh, we were very draft heavy. We were working with the, uh, our distributors in Massachusetts and Rhode Island. And I'd say, um, 60, 65% of our business was going out to the bars and restaurants, which then disappeared. Um, I've been tracking it very closely. We changed our model. We put a lot more emphasis on uh, on the stores, obviously, and putting beer in cans, uh, working with the distributors. And uh, in, the, uh, in the region around us, up here in the North Shore Merrimack Valley, uh, we're doing almost as much business uh, through stores as we were doing through stores and restaurants and bars, uh, you know, for the first 11 weeks of this year. Uh, not the same in other parts of the state where we don't have the brand recognition, but, uh, you know, we're still up in, uh, in store business. Uh, the tap room is, has just astounded me. The, uh, as Maureen said, the, uh, you know, keeping the connection with the community, it's been sort of the other way around with the, the community is looking to maintain the connection with us. And I'll tell you, it is, it's heartwarming how uh, people could go to a store, they could buy uh, one of our core brands, but instead they choose to come to our tap room and uh, our tap room business versus when we were selling pints. Now there's nothing more profitable than selling a pint, but uh, selling takeaway four packs and uh, lots of kegs and merchandise, uh, you know, we're actually doing more business through the tap room in the last six weeks on a weekly basis than we were in the first 11 weeks of the year. And it's, uh, it's just tremendous that the community has turned out to support the local brewery as they have. Uh, we've had uh, layoffs. Uh, my sales staff, uh, I laid off the tap room management staff and all the bartenders, obviously. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's like for Jill and me, uh, my wife, it's like Groundhog Day every day over and over seven days a week of, of selling beer out of the tap room. And that's all we're doing. And, uh, we, we are continuing to brew and we are still getting beer out into the stores through the distributors. So, uh, you know, our model has certainly shifted, but, uh, you know, the, the business though, very, very different with a different staff and a smaller staff, uh, is continuing to operate. It sounds like a lot of you guys have been fortunate to keep your businesses afloat. Um, like we mentioned kind of in the, in, in the beginning, um, and we don't have to name names, but if there have been breweries that you guys have heard maybe may not be in the same situation as, as you. Uh, I'm sure that it's not all roses what we see out there. And, and sometimes Instagram, Facebook can make everything seem a little bit better than they actually are. But um, without naming names, has there been anyone that you guys have or heard, you know, at the current climate, they cannot continue or? I, I have not heard of uh, anyone at, at that point. I do know that, uh, you know, we're two and a half years old, which is fairly young. Uh, you know, anyone who doesn't have the brand recognition, hasn't been at it for a while. If they just opened in recent months, 
uh, it's going to be very, very tough for them. And, and if they're very taproom dependent and they haven't built that following, uh, you know, I just hope that they can get through. I've, I've been to about 20 breweries uh, since the shutdown occurred to get to go beer. And uh, most of them have been uh, fairly optimistic in terms of, you know, actually like to what Gary said, their, their to go sales has been quite brisk. But it just doesn't seem like it's, I mean, because I think everyone wants to support their breweries right now. But if you're talking three, six months of that, I think it's going to start to wear down on, on people just kind of keep going back after that and after that. And a lot of these, you know, brewers have done the best they can in terms of, like I said, shifting it into, uh, you know, some of these breweries don't have, uh, you know, cans or options to go. Some are scrambling, you know, to get growlers to get them to go. Uh, it's it's going to be a very stressful thing. And it's one thing to do it for a couple of months. But to extend that process, is it's definitely going to wear on these breweries and then financially uh, probably hit them in the long run. Yeah, um, I could, I'll throw in very quickly. Um, the uh, the Brewers Association put out a report where they um, they interviewed a bunch of breweries across the country asking how long can you maintain this with this level of social distancing. I think it's, it's very eye-opening to look at that report where it was, uh, well, I think around half of the breweries in this country, if it, if it reaches three months of this, they'll have to close up shop. Um, you know, I don't think it's going to be three months of living this way, but I just wanted to throw out one, one thing that I think it's, <laughs> I've been a little bit, um, mind boggled to see some of the, uh, the breweries from out of state now shipping beer into Massachusetts. Um, yeah, I was, you, you stole my next question. <laughs> yeah, it's just, uh, and I'm not going to name any names as well. It just seems like an odd time. Um, I get that everybody, you know, not everyone, but a lot of breweries have uh, extra inventory and it's like, hey, let's put this in the hands of people that want it. But it just seems like a very, very, very odd time for some really hyped up breweries to be coming into Massachusetts all at the same time when we have so many awesome breweries in this state and uh, breweries coming in, they make great stuff too. But there's so many breweries in this state that really needs the support of people right now. So uh, I was just going to, I just thought of that. Um, yeah. Ray and Mo, I see you both uh, shaking your hand and head in agreement. Ray, what uh, your opinions on that? Well, a couple things. And Gary um, saw you as well. Yeah. <laughs> I've had a couple conversations with some Western Mass breweries, and I'm always afraid to take the conversation to that extent. I just don't want to, one, put them on the spot, and, and two, just hear some of that, that, that negative noise, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm always about trying to uplift and have positive conversations and assist, assist each other out. So I, I try to steer away from that. And, and even in, in the conversations, the back and forth, we really don't get into that particular subject around, you know, how bad is bad. Right. So, but I, I know that, you know, we're all at, at some degree, we're all suffering something, but I, I, I try to steer away from that type of conversation. Uh, and as far as the 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 well-known, reputable, uh, long-standing um, brands that are and breweries from outside the Commonwealth coming in, I I definitely noticed it, um, and I, I'm 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 wondering if some of that was already in the pipeline. I'm hoping that some of that was already in the pipeline, and it's just not a trigger effect where people are coming in just to you know deplete some of their inventory. But uh, I think it's going to be on the, the latter side where they're coming in because they, they have an opportunity and 
Um, they're taking advantage of some of those um, those possibilities with with distributors or partnerships, uh, and it does it does it deflates a little bit when you go into some of your you know your partnering accounts and you you see the new hyped beer up and it's 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 in the front and and folks are coming in gobbling it up and before you know it it's sold out. Um, so it kind of sucks. It sucks to see that. I will be willing to say what Maureen and Gary were shaking their heads in some sort of direction, but if you listen to one of our episodes, it will indicate that that wasn't in the pipeline for them. Um, I was just about to say that. <laughs> yes. Um, but uh, Maureen, I just, I want to get uh, your opinion on it as well. Well, you took the words out of my mouth. I think, you know, it's an opportunity. Um, I mean, I'm going to try to take the high road here, but I think all of us breweries are hurting. Most breweries are hurting real bad. Some breweries are hurting incredibly bad. We don't really know the extent where people lie with that right now. Um, so it's not an excuse, but I think we've seen this big rise in consumers of always wanting what's new, want to get what I can get my hands on now, I can get it. And, you know, I just, I hope that people are appreciative that they can have options for great craft beer, even in the midst of a global pandemic, but remain truly loyal to their to their roots. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, Gary, I'd love to hear what you have to say about it as well. Yeah. You know, it, it certainly wasn't in the pipe, uh, in the pipeline. The, uh, it was a reaction. If your business model is based on people going to you, uh, you're up in, you know, the, the hinterlands and people have to come up from the populated areas to get your beer. And suddenly those people cannot travel then you've got to take the beer to them. Um, it, we saw it happen very quickly. They had an inventory that they needed to move. Will they continue that? I think that in, to a certain extent, they, they may have shot themselves in the foot because the mystique uh, comes off when suddenly the beer is available locally, unless they're going to continue that model. Uh, and then it's not local. So why would people buy it? Uh, you know, I think it was a reaction to, I've got this inventory, I need to move it. Nobody's going to come up here and get it. I can move it down to where the people are in the populated areas, Massachusetts, Rhode Island. And uh, that's what they did. Yeah, it's uh, it's a, certainly an interesting situation. Um, Matt, can I uh, chime in real quick? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So honestly, I think it would be great if some of the mystique was lost uh, for some of the beers that are overly hyped, in my opinion. Only because, uh, as the point has been made, there are so many great breweries in everybody's state, in everybody's region, not just here in Massachusetts. And um, consumers are really difficult to figure out a bunch of people, myself and Bob and all of us included. But um, my hope would be that through this, maybe more people start thinking a lot more about their own local breweries because there is a lot of news out there about small businesses struggling. And that they remember that six months or a year from now. And maybe they aren't driving all over the place, getting in line to go to Mystique breweries because they've realized, wow, I don't really need to do that. And I'm certain that there are some breweries within Massachusetts that could have went into distribution and it would have been... <clears throat> not as tactful or well-received as, as many of you guys without naming names. Um, so it's interesting to see that Massachusetts is doing kind of the right thing, it seems, right now. Um, speaking of that, what are some things that have made it um, more 
like what what are some things that are more positive for you guys? We just went through a bunch of negative things. What are some things that are positive, or if you can name any? Um, and Matt, I'd like to start with you. I've seen a, a lot of positive things happening um, in, in the industry with people uh, rallying to support the restaurant workers. Some of these people that work in these restaurants are very good friends of of mine and of ours. Um, and suddenly they woke up one day and didn't have a job anymore. Um, so, you know, I think that, um, the restaurant strong fund that Sam Adams stepped up, there have been countless other funds and hope I'm hoping to personally donate to with some of the, some of my profits, um, you know, and, and on a personal note, you know, for me, um, in, in terms of positive things, I, I, I try to remind myself of why I started this and you know, having a legacy for, for someone who, who's not here anymore. Um, you know, I think, and I'm still working with charities uh, as well, but you know, I, when I started wandering soul, I had to pull myself out of uh, the darkest place I've ever known in order to get it going. And for a lot of people right now, um, they're in a very dark place. The isolation has, has been wearing people out and the mental health factor and the toll this has taken on people it's um it's through the roof so you know i think that there are there is hope to be found even in the darkest of situations if you if you look at how i if you look at my the last few years of my life i think you could see some hope there and i i hope I, you know i hope that that can influence some people with my story i have some plans to put out some beers that again the beer is one thing the story and what it means is something else um, and putting a positive message out into the world. I really want to help people. That's why I started this thing. Um, so, you know, I think there are a lot of people doing some really amazing things, just trying to to rally around, especially the restaurant workers, the bartenders, and the breweries, the people showing up to, you know, to, they, they'd rather support the brewery and get stuff to go rather than go to the grocery store. Um, that's incredible. Mm. So, Gary, what about yourself? I, I'd say the thing that has struck me the most is uh, is the people who come to the brewery for sure. The uh, and and I'm I'm hoping it it's happened throughout the Commonwealth that the the small breweries that have become an integral part of the community um, and and have built their business because of that and that personal touch are seeing it coming back to them as we are, where people are, are coming and, and we're seeing absolutely, you know, record sales of takeout beer uh, and people, you know, thanking us for doing what we're doing. And, uh, you know, I, I, as I said, and I sent out a note to, to, the, uh, to the team today, it, it's just heartwarming and the appreciation that people show and that we show back, uh, that's probably the most positive thing that I take out of this. Nice. Maureen? Yeah, just to echo that, we're still afloat because our customers are so committed and loyal to us and get so much enjoyment out of our beer. So, I mean, that's been a, a huge positive. But, um, you know, we're, we're also built on sustainable agriculture and sourcing our ingredients as close as possible. And I think there's a lot of light shown now on the food supply and uh, supply chain. And a lot of people are thinking long and hard about um, where's where's the next meal going to come from and what are we doing to support our farmers and what a fragile system we could have in place. So I think hopefully this sheds, um, you know, some positive um, light and some positive and positive energy on thinking about those very questions and reprioritizing some of the decisions we make. Mm. 
Ray, you've been actually very positive throughout this whole thing. So I'm curious to see what else you can add. Well, I'm going to add, yes. Um, so first, let me just state the symbol of white, the symbol of white lion is um, the, good, the good of humankind. And what I've noticed locally in Western Massachusetts is the rallying around the restaurants, gift cards, people buying food, gift cards, and asking that it be designated to those, those folks that are truly on the front lines, the hospital workers, um, the police, the fire, the EMTs, uh, day in, day out, whether it's through the local media outlets or on social media, you just see the positive reinforcement. So when I think earlier on, Mia talked about just that element of pause. So we get an opportunity to pause and sometimes we get caught up in just all these competing priorities and things that are happening in life, whether it's personal or professional, and we just keep moving forward in this, in this tunnel. But this pause has allowed us to maybe reprioritize some things and look at things a little bit different. And I'm hoping, I'm hopeful that once this all clears, that some of that will, will remain in place. Some of that rallying around, supporting local. Because um, sometimes we have a tendency just as people, it's you turn the light switch on and turn it off. It's here today and it's going tomorrow. And I'm hoping that some of that remains in place where we learn some things along the way. And through this time, it's, it's actually been ingrained into our fabric and it will continue to, to spread the, the, the great, to the greater good going forward. So I'm optimistic on that. I'm not sure if it will happen. I'm hopeful. We'll continue to preach that and, and, and try to demonstrate that. But um, I've noticed that, at least in Western Mass, just the rallying around all essential workers and folks that remain out there trying to work. Yeah. If, if I could just quickly add, I, I mean, Rob and I have been drinking beer for a long time. But honestly, we didn't become the Mass Brew Bros until you could go to a tap room, until you could meet the people that make the beer and build this community. And, and I, you know, we, you can see that people want to support you because you've taken the lead in building, a, a, again, a community that supports everyone, uh, you know, whether it's making beers for causes, bringing people in. I mean, you're, you're taking the lead right now during this to, uh, to do whatever it takes to support the people around you during this. That's what's attractive about uh, uh, craft beer and these tap rooms, these brands. And people want to be a part of it and want to support you as much as they can on this. So, so again, I thank you, Brewers, again, for, for being positive and taking the lead and being something that we can all look to. I mean, that's, that's what I'm missing most right now is getting out there and seeing the community and, and you guys in the tap rooms and, and all the great that, good that you do. So, mm. so yeah, thinking about these positives here, um, you know, beer delivery is now a thing, which is kind of a positive, I think, for you guys. Is that something that you want to continue once everything is back to quote unquote normal? Or is that something that you're going to go away from? Um, kind of thoughts on that. I guess we'll start with Mo. So we're going to let our customers decide that for us. I think that's um, we're on pretty solid footing doing that right now. And if it's something we can do because we're so hyper local, like we're delivering to, delivering to communities that are like literally five to 10 miles the most from us, but it's pretty robust. So if that's something people want, we have a very reusable package and I have 32 ounce bottle. Trust me, I'm spending an inordinate amount of time cleaning, sterilizing, every single bottle by hand. <laughs> so if that's something that we can do, um, we'll, we'll look at that seriously and see if that's something that can stick. 
there's going to be an evolution for sure of what community means, what craft beer means in a community. If that's something that makes sense for our customers, absolutely, we'll we'll weigh that. Yeah, Gary, I guess you want to chime in. Uh, yeah, we, well, we don't do deliveries, uh, but okay. uh, people, people come to us. Uh, I, I was looking at the numbers on our takeaway beer, uh, you know, in the first 11 weeks versus uh, what, it, you know, it's like six, seven times as much as what we were doing. And yeah, we're, we're going to want to keep that. Uh, we use the, the Toast Takeout app, so it's easy for people to do it on their cell phone or on our website. Uh, what we need to do is streamline it so that when people come in to someday a crowded tap room that they don't have to wait in line to buy a four pack that they can uh, have that uh, purchase done in advance over you know online uh, purchase uh, through toast uh, takeout and then just come in and, and show their id and pick up the beer so uh, you know we we do want to maintain that but uh, not not deliveries not nip switch yeah that would be that's going to be huge for someone of your business model and for or any brewery just to start having that, you know, pick up, especially if social distancing is going to be, you know, the new norm. Well, I guess to Gary, um, are you also planning on canning what would usually be taproom exclusives more often? Cause that's definitely something that I've seen as you're trying to get rid of what you had, but you know, I really enjoy, like I just had like a, a sheer hoppiness and like a mass hysteria, you know, so, I mean, I enjoy that, but is that something you plan on doing more? Uh, absolutely. We were already going down that path. We had done the small batch program with the uh, bars and restaurants, uh, and it was going really well. And we'd been doing that for oh, almost a year and a half. Uh, we started doing the small batch for the stores. I call it SB2, small batch specialty beer. Uh, we did that uh, a couple of times in 2019 with uh, Bright and Early and with Midnight Snow. And uh, we were starting to do more of that. And uh, and then all hell broke loose. But uh, yeah, it's our intention to take what had been done on the five barrel system, kick it up to the 30, take it out through distribution, uh, offer it in the tap room and in a limited distribution. And it's sort of a one and done, uh, you know, when the people can get something that's interesting and new and unique and maybe they'll never see it again. Back to the delivery. Uh, Ray, what's your thoughts on that? I think if the ABCC were to extend its short-term guidance and make it long-term, we would follow suit. If the consumer is asking for it, then we would have that as one of the options. But I'm also very mindful because we're so heavily off-premise account dominant that those accounts to us are our partners. And I don't want to be in a position, one of those awkward positions, especially locally, where we're competing with them uh, relative to being looked at as another off-premise option. So I, I think if, you know, there's there's the consumer out there that doesn't want to go into certain situations and the state, our own regulatory body, ex- extends that conversation, then we'll have that just as an option uh, for those for those types of consumers. Okay, cool. And Matt, this doesn't obviously affect you per se, but do you have any thoughts on the matter? I do. Um, it And... Uh, so I'll, I'll be the first one to jump in a car or a van if someone wants my beer and bring it to them. I've done it. I've done it before throughout all this, um, you know, and all last year I was delivering to all the stores and bars myself anyway. So for me, it's like just showing up to somebody's doorstep rather than a bar or a store. Um, but that being said, I, I'm not the, 
I don't have the type of business model that allows me to show up with a few different varieties at one time. It's one thing at a time. So am I going to deliver a four pack of Melody Maker to somebody 10 miles away myself? No, probably not. Um, but if they want a case of it, I will. And, um, it's kind of like the old days. My dad used to tell me the milkman would show up and he would, uh, yeah, this goes back a long time. Uh, sorry, dad. Um, and they'd show up with like little snacks and groceries. And it was just, you take, you get, you take what they have, you know, like this is what we have this week. Take it or leave it. Right. So like for me, if I put out a new beer and somebody wants a case, I'll bring it to them. Sure. Um, but if it's just a four pack, that's going to be hard on me. Um, because I will be the guy bringing it. <laughs> um, so I think it's a great thing that we're allowed, you know, we're able to do deliveries and it, it, I'm really encouraged to hear from Gary and you guys that, uh, you know, that people have rallied around or still come to the tap rooms and stuff. I think that speaks a lot. So I think that will actually continue. Um, I, I don't see that. That's a mentality that's ingrained in people. When, when you have that level of support, um, an attachment to a brand that's not going to go away. I mean, it's going to take way more than a, than a pandemic to make that go away. What do we want to see more out of maybe the state to offer? Or is there something that, you know, you guys want to do, but it's not allowed right now? Maybe some more support around. So this is something that's probably not going to happen. But some of these restaurants with all these beers on tap, some of them 30, 40 lines of beers on tap that had to close the whole growler program and having fill up growlers and people can come get them with food and deliveries and stuff. I think it's, it's really cool. Um, you know, it is legal according to, I think it's 192 ounces, I believe of, of beer that you can, that you can have someone pick up to go if it's in a sealed package. I think a little bit, you know, if the state were able to support that in some way, by even just talking about it as an option. It seems like it's been a taboo thing. I had some people approach me like, is this legal? Is this not legal? It's a sealed container, but it's a growler and growlers are for breweries. And how do I fill it? And how do you do what, what equipment do I need? You know? Um, but it's a great way to get all those great, those awesome beers that were on tap at all these places. That's just going to get dumped. There are people that want it um, and, and they'll pay for it. So uh, I think it's, you know, whether the state will get behind something like that, it's pretty low on their list of priorities, <laughs> uh, unfortunately. But. I'll, I'll tell you one thing I'd like to see. It's both state and federal. Uh, there is a lot of beer out there, whether it's sitting here in our inventory or out at the distributor's inventory or at the uh, bars and restaurants uh, that is going to go out of code and it's going to have to go away. Uh, we need a break on that. We need some tax relief on that. We've already paid the tax and, uh, you know, the, and the beer is not being consumed and we're going to end up eating it. So uh, tax relief on, uh, on that beer. And then maybe even beyond that, some additional relief for beer that's gone out of code because of the pandemic. Yeah, I mean, Gary just took the words right out of my mouth. There's, um, there's a huge benefit to us to have some tax relief from beer that's going out of code from the smallest guy all the way up to the, to the biggest. Uh, I think it was great when the rule was changed that we could fill growlers that um, were void of any brewery's logo. I mean, that happened years ago, but I do think, like you're saying, there's going to be increased interest in taking beer away in the multitude of, of formats. So I'd like to see the state um, continue to be open-minded about how this, this could evolve. Yeah, I could be wrong, I, and I so I apologize in advance, but I thought I recently read something uh, on the TTB site that started to have 
an open conversation around credits for out of code beer. I had forwarded that to Brewmaster Brewing Services, where we brew our beer now, just as a FYI to them. I don't think I'm not sure if they were aware of it or not, but uh, that may be an avenue where we can at least have the conversation start there, and then you know try to make it a little bit more robust. Um, and then as we enter into the warmer months of the year. I know for the past several years, it's been an ongoing conversation around outdoor beer gardens and outdoor activity. But I think our outdoor activity could afford us an opportunity where folks may start to feel a little bit more safe in a large outdoor environment. And if we had less pushback from I got, maybe it's the MRA or, or others out there about this, about the beer gardens. I think that, but I think there's an opportunity to, uh, to, to, to take advantage of outdoor space, social distancing, um, making people feel a little bit more relaxed. So I would love to see maybe, you know, the guild or others start to have much more proactive conversation relative to that subject. Uh, Everyone mentioned out-of-code beer, and I know there's a lot of talk around making some of that out-of-code beer into hand sanitizer. Has that been any discussion on any of your ends? Um, is that something that is a potential for out-of-code beer for you guys? Yeah, absolutely. Once uh, once it goes out-of-code, <laughs> uh, uh, we've talked uh, to... Uh, a couple of the uh, distilleries up here on the North shore who are willing to take uh, out of code beer. Actually, we're searching for it uh, several weeks ago. At this point, we haven't yet hit that uh, because of the, the velocity of uh, product that's uh, that we go through, but uh, yeah, we're definitely going to have some and we would love to put it to, to good use. Yeah. So thankfully and uh, gratefully um, we're kind of in the same boat. We haven't hit that out of code date yet. We're pretty tight in our production schedule and, um, pretty you know rapid in the turnover of our beer we halted production immediately upon the emergency order so we don't anticipate having a lot of that but if we do we'd absolutely donate and participate uh, our business my business partner mike our brewer has been working with a couple of vendors that were identified by the brewers guild uh, and, and that's that's the route we're going we don't we, we can't do it on our own so you know we have a couple pallets laying around that um we're trying to uh, trying to off to someone that could repurpose it and make it beneficial to 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 folks that need it. Again, like for me, it's it's uh, my business model a little bit different. Um, you know, but I I do have some beer that will likely go out of code, and if I can do something like that with it, I'm a hundred percent into that idea. Hmm. Um, Matt, I can help you with that. Like we can drink that together. No. <laughs> Okay, I got time to drive to Beverly. <laughs> as long as we're drinking beer and not not hand sanitizer. <laughs> oh, good. Uh, cool. Hope it doesn't come to that. Me too. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I appreciate everyone uh, taking some time out of their evening to do this. Does anyone have any last minute questions or comments before we go into the closing? I'd just like uh, to thank everybody for taking part and being willing to talk about. Uh, their businesses in a in a way that you don't necessarily always do in in normal times. Um, I know it's been really appreciated by myself, and I'm sure uh, the listeners out there will be really be you know excited about being able to to see what's going on behind the scenes, especially now when they may not 
know what's happening and may be concerned for some places. Mm. We just play a small part in the mass beer scene, but if there's anything, obviously, we can do to help you guys or anyone else here as a resource to help get the word out at least. So please let us know. And thank you very much uh, for being on tonight. Well, I guess I want to just lighten the mood before we say goodbye. Um, What are you guys drinking at home uh, to kind of get you through the pandemic? So, Mo, I'm I drinking you everything. <laughs> like, I got like eight cases in my fridge because I can drink cans, Rob. I can drink cans. I'm drinking whatever I can get my hands on right now. But um, this is actually our soul shine. But I want to give a shout out to the guys at Rustic. They uh, sent us a couple of these glasses and want to want to thank them for that generosity. Hopefully, they can in very soon. Yeah. Yes. I'd love that. Well, I'm drinking our West Coast-style IPA, hopped in a little bit of Galaxy Hops called Lion's Galaxy. It's our flagship IPA, 7% ABV. Yeah, I'm, I'm drinking nothing but short fills. <laughs> I got a couple of those, too. Uh, You'd call this a short fill. It's empty. <laughs> yeah. Um, this, was, this used to be a beer from uh, Remnant Brewing in Somerville. They, they canned some stuff, and I'm huge fans of theirs. I actually bought a barrel from Charlie, the head brewer, that I have a sour beer thing going on here in my house. Yeah. Uh, but no, Jack, um, honestly, for me, Jack's Abbey House Lager has been my go-to. Mm. Right down the street. So yeah. the latest latest was the uh, the Pink Boots brew that we did, the uh, Run the World. I had two of those last night with dinner. Yeah. Nice. Now, um, I, I am curious, Mo. And Gary, you guys are doing uh, pink boots. I'm not sure. Is White Lion doing pink boots right now? We are not. You are not. Okay. Um, our sales. We did, those... we did. We did all together. Okay. Okay. Excellent. Nice. I was going to just actually ask about all together as well. Um, sales from Pink Boots Beer. It's a dollar from each sale still going to the PBS? Yeah, we're doing $2 a four pack since we, we have no, no pints to sell. Uh, $2 a four pack goes to the Pink Boots Society. Yeah. And, and we've got, I think I'm down to about six cases left. It is just flown. Nice. I need to pick it up then. Yeah, you better. It's this week and it's gone. And the same thing, you mentioned the uh, mass hysteria now called Secret Test Batch 292 because of the connotations of the name. Uh, that that we did for the Tavern in the Square restaurants, uh, we have uh, probably 15 cases of that left here and you can get it out in stores. And sheer happiness that we did for the Serenity restaurants Uh I think I only have four or five. Yeah, four or five cases of that left, and it's done. So, uh, you know, we uh, those specialty beers have been have been great for us, and uh, you know, we're we're doing well with it. We do have uh, an uh, an ALS Awareness Month beer coming out in just a couple of weeks. We've done it the last two years. It's called Ice Bucket Pale, uh, and uh, you know, we've communicated uh, with the Frady's. Uh, coordinated with the Frady's family over the last couple of years and also the uh, ALS TDI uh, lab in Cambridge. And uh, we'll do the same thing there where a couple of dollars from every four pack will go to uh, to fight ALS. Mm-hmm. Mo, what about you guys? Yeah, so our Pink Boots brew is Mind the Gap, American Pale Ale, um, dry hopped of that Pink Boots blend. Sadly, um, we couldn't release it prior to this emergency order coming in place, but we have been selling it pretty heavily uh, in squealers in our tap room and for home delivery. So we're donating a dollar from every squealer sold 
uh, for pink boots. I think it's um, a lot of that that we donated in the past came from pint sales on premise. So sadly, our contribution is going to be a little on the lighter side this year, but that's a really strong, um, important um, charity for us. So, so we'll be coming back in spades next year with that one. Yeah. We just uh, talked about how we can support other societies and it's amazing that you guys are even thinking of other people in this time right now. Um, but how can our listeners and fans of the Mass Brew Bros support you guys directly? Drink more beer. <laughs> yeah, at this point, just do what you can. Again, everyone's situation is different. I mean, we have no idea what everyone's home life is like. Uh, take care of yourselves first. Make sure that's a priority. But if you can at all, get out to the brewery, take the home delivery, support a, 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 you know, a liquor store, beer store somewhere. By all means, try and do that as best you can. And, and that's you know, all they probably ask. Uh, right now yep. Mo how can we support you guys um, I, I'm going to take it more personal than uh, than business and say there's a lot of opportunities to, to pay it forward I think in my um, recent past we've had a lot of people help us out and we're feeling the love from our customers so I would just say to people you know take it easy on yourselves do the best you can at home we've got tons of stresses in our personal lives and if you have a small way to just pay it forward whether it's to an essential worker or to it um, you know wherever you see a need try to really look deeper and find that opportunity to help each other out I think everything really does start in our own backyard so you know Anything that we as a brand and brewery and business can do to support our local community, I think will pave the way for them to support us. That's We firmly believe that. We've always built the brand on being part of the fabric of the city of Springfield and surrounding communities. And uh, that's, been, that's benefited us short-term, long-term, and it will benefit us into the future. So we're going to continue to be part of the community. Um, and, uh, we believe that they'll continue, folks will continue to support us for being, for being, for doing that. Yeah. Matt. I, I think that, um, you know, just supporting us in terms of, yep, yeah, obviously buying the beer. Um, but maybe just also taking this time, you know, where we can reflect on things. I mean, part of the reason for me, on, on a, again, a personal note, um, the reason I put out a beer called things we don't say last year. And now just again, this year was a concept beer around all the things that we feel like we can't talk about for fear of upsetting someone with my own personal life experience. I knew that if I didn't get some stuff off my chest, I was going to implode, um, in in my, in my story and how this came to be. And that beer things we don't say, um, I would just encourage people, you know, to, to open up and talk. Things like this are great. It's kind of weird to connect with friends and stuff over a screen but it's always in my experience helpful pick up the phone check in on a neighbor you can yell from across the street how is your day you know people a lot of people you ask how they're doing and they'll say they're they're doing all right but they're not Mm. and um i think that trying to trying to help in that way just to be there as another human being for another human being is I think the best thing we could all do for ourselves right now. And that's, that's aside from beer, but I think beer is sort of a good catalyst for that sort of interaction. So I couldn't agree more. And Gary, uh, your opinion as well. Well, I think I, I think I already said it. It's, uh, it's really all about the community and, uh, the, the appreciation and the love that, uh, the, the, those, 
in the community show us, I think is, uh, is what, uh, is what we're doing back to them. So, you know, we, uh, we can do that on a local basis right here at the tap room. And, you know, we try like heck to get it out there with every four pack that goes out into a store, uh, that people, uh, understand who we are and appreciate it. And, uh, our, uh, you know, doing what they can do to, uh, you know, contribute and help us all get through this, uh, this crisis. Yeah. Well, I wanted to thank you guys once again for doing this. This has been awesome. I know I said I only wanted 45 minutes of your time, but I think an hour and 15 definitely flew by. Um, and I wanted to just say, not only support these great breweries that are on the call tonight, but make sure if you're going to one of them, there's usually another brewery right around the corner from them. So make sure you go support them as well. Um, Cause right now is the perfect opportunity to go try a new beer or, or something like that. And, and make sure you guys follow them and keep up to date with them on social media because each one of them have different days that they're open. If we were to go through that, I think people would go crazy and get so confused. So we will post everyone's open availabilities in the link below. Um, so you guys can sh- go there, uh, make sure to pre-order, social distance, wear a mask and, and you know, say hi, but say hi and bye real quick. Just to, just to give the other person that, that space that's, uh, that's safe. And, uh, Continue to support Mass Beer because, like we said earlier, there are a lot of people that are coming and maybe trying to capitalize off the situation. But let's take care of our backyard first. What's up, everybody? Thank you once again for listening to the episode uh, featuring all those great breweries from Massachusetts and their outlook on the future of uh the craft beer scene here in massachusetts um i want to make sure that you guys have a chance to go out and support them so we're going to have a link in the description below for all the breweries um, and their website so you can make sure that you can go there and support them uh, or find their beer in your local uh, liquor store uh we have an awesome episode for you next week but i don't want to tell you who it is it's it, it's fun <laughs> That's what I'll I'll, I'll, I'll just leave it at that. (laughs) Um, But until next week, make sure you guys continue to social distance, uh, support craft beer, and anything else? Wash your hands. Don't touch your face. Ryan, don't touch your face. Stay away. Stay away. They they can't they can't see me. They don't know. (laughs) They could could be lying. Uh, So uh, make sure to follow us on all social medias and stay up to date with our Brewers Live coming to you soon. And until next week. Cheers. Cheers.